This is recording number 10919 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 24, 2011. This message by Randy Bolt is titled Living Water. We're going to be opening our Bibles to the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, easy to find, Exodus chapter 17, and we'll be looking at the first six verses there. Now, this is not a setup, and you can tell that because I'm not even organized for it here, but I I brought my, uh, I went back to my office while they were doing this skit, although I did see it. And uh, I got the garbage can out of my office. So this is the actual raw, unadulterated stuff. Now, I don't know how long this has been you know, since it was last emptied. We have some really wonderful people that come in here uh, by stealth and uh, empty trash. And I don't even know how it happens. I'm just a happy camper. They empty trash. They clean windows. They mop floors. Bless them. But so this can't be that long since this has been uh, emptied last. But look what we got in here. three questions I want to talk to you about today. And they are, what are you thirsty for? What are you drinking? And how's it working for you? Uh, Clearly, coffee light frappuccinos is not doing the job for whatever I'm thirsty for. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. And by the way, when it says the wilderness of sin, it's not, uh, it's, it, that's the name of an actual place. I wouldn't want to live there. Um, and so they, the children of Israel have been, you know, all know the story of their exodus. And we're in the books of, book of Exodus, so you figure that's what it's about, and you'd be right. So they have, under the leadership of Moses and God's delivering power, they have been set free from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land, and this is one of the stops, one of the initial early stops after the parting of the Red Sea, where they, this great consummate victory was um, accomplished against their Egyptian slaveholders. So they make their way from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord. Note that they're doing this uh, under the commandment or direction of the Lord. They're obeying the Lord in this travel. And they camped in Rephidim. 
but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? You know, I don't know that I have ever truly been thirsty in my whole life. I mean, I woke up the other night in the middle of the night and got up and got a drink of water. But you know what? I was not. I wasn't dying of thirst. So it's hard for me to even relate to what they were experiencing. I know there's a level of desperation that these people were experiencing I have never faced. And yet we're going to see that there's a whole lot more going on here than just the surface issue of them thirsting for water in a dry and desert place. Verse 4, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before these people, or the, the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Most of you will remember that Moses had a shepherd's staff. That's the rod that's being talked about here. And when they came up to that tight squeeze where they were up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian armies were barreling down on them with their chariots, the Lord instructed Moses to hold that staff out over the water and the waters parted. It's that staff that the Lord says, bring that with you. And uh, verse 6 Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. That's another location. And you will strike the rock. There's going to be a rock there that you're going to strike. And water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And it goes on to tell us that that this place was renamed because of, of all that took place there. So I've already told you I have three questions for you. And the first is, what are you, what are you thirsty for? The title of this message is Living Water. And you're going to, I believe, gain a little better insight about what the Bible means when it talks about living water. And we'll read that passage in a few minutes. But let's just discuss this question first. What are you thirsty for? Notice that these people were traveling under the direction of the Lord. They didn't end up where they ended up there in that desert place just because they decided to go there. The Lord sent them there. Can I suggest to you that every single one of us, even those of us who are followers, who consider ourselves followers of the Lord, Christ followers, people are trying to live our lives according to the word of God and according to God's plans and purposes, even us, every single one of us, can be tempted by thirst. And I'm not talking about just your physical, physical thirst. There's a whole lot of things you can be thirsty for. Are you thirsty today for acceptance? You know, there's a whole lot of us, myself included, who from time to time really struggle with knowing whether people like us or not. (laughs) 
Perhaps that you, that's you. We do all sorts of crazy things to gain acceptance with people, don't we? Are you thirsty for peace? I remember one time I asked my wife um, about, I was polling her about the people she works with, and I said, what's the number one thing the people that you work with need? You know, a felt need. What do they feel they need? You know, may not be what they really need, but what do they feel they need? Without hesitation, the first thing out of her mouth was, out of her mouth was peace. If I asked some of you, and I won't do this from now on, but this one's a pretty safe one. How many of you here today, you're thirsty for peace? Quite a few. Are you thirsty for security? Especially in this day when so much, there's so much upheaval. Financial security, um, just all that that word entails. Are you, are you thirsty today for significance? So that you, you want your life to mean something. Are you thirsty today for joy? And I don't mean happiness or thrills. You could go to Discovery Kingdom and get some of that. But I mean joy. You thirsty today for relationship? I don't mean the, you know, the superficial kind that's the... Uh, is mostly what we have in, in our lives, but I mean the real deal, where someone really knows you, cares about you, where you feel safe in that relationship and supported, cared for. Are you thirsty today for prosperity? Are you thirsty today for recognition? What are you thirsty for? Do you even know? You know, the people there in that scene that we just read about, in the wilderness there of, uh, of uh, sin and, and its uh, per, uh, nearby vicinity, I, they didn't really know what they were thirsty for. They thought they were thirsty for water. And I want you to notice something else before we move on to another passage of Scripture, and that is that thirst, what you're thirsty for, can become so great. That thirst can, can become so great. It can overshadow everything God has previously demonstrated of his love, his grace, power, and mercy in your life. You realize what they did here? All of this stuff. God, God, by miraculous means, has delivered them from 400 years in slavery, has triumphed over the greatest military force in all the world, parted the Red Sea so they could walk across it on dry ground. And before we get to this part of the story that we read today, they had come to another place where they were dry and thirsty and the waters there were stagnant and poisoned and the Lord um, healed the water so that they could drink there. All of this stuff is within their recent memory. But because they're so thirsty right now, they're willing to consider that as nothing. Moses, did you bring us out here so that we could die of thirst? Huh? Give me that again? But don't we do that? We become fixated on these things that we have to have, these things we think we need, these things that we're thirsty for, even to the point where we're willing to disregard God, his will, his desires, 
his um, requirements, because we're so desperate to get it, we will do anything. Turn to 1 Corinthians. That's way in the back of your Bible. And, and uh, I uh, would encourage you, unless you know exactly where that is, to take advantage of this great thing at the beginning of the Bible called the Table of Contents. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Chapter 10. So we've been talking about what are you thirsty for? The next question I'd like to ask you is what are you drinking? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says and all drank. This is talking about the scene that we just read about in Exodus chapter 17. This is looking back on that and, and talking about that event. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Isn't that, a, isn't that an amazing thing? That verse tells us that when those people were there thirsting in the wilderness, they were really thirsty for something spiritual. Yes, there was a, a need for water, and God met that. But they were really thirsty for something else. And they didn't know it. Goes on to say exactly what that was. They were thirsty for Christ. And it says that rock that, G, that uh, Moses struck with his rod, remember he struck the rock with the rod and out comes this flow of water. I don't even know how that can be. But somehow it happens and the people's thirsts are quenched. It says that when he did that, the rock that was struck, the rock that poured out this water that satisfied every need and every thirst was Christ. It says something else there. It says that that rock followed them. In other words, as those people made their way through that desert place, the rock was always with them. The means for the fulfillment of their, the quenching of their thirst was always with them, but they didn't pay attention because it wasn't what they were looking for. I'm thirsty. A rock? Come on. Now, I'm not, let me just make sure you understand. I'm not saying that this rock was sort of rolling around behind them everywhere they went. That's not what's meant here. And there are times when people are thirsting for those things that we enumerated earlier in, in the message. And, and to think of Jesus as the solution to that, I don't, I, that just doesn't make sense. Isn't he about heaven and stained glass and things like that? What does that have to do with my peace, my joy, my uh, acceptance, uh, uh, significance, those things? What does that have to do with, with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with everything. So I've asked the question, what are you thirsty for? And then I asked the question, what are you drinking? And then I want to ask you, how's that working for you? What are you drinking? Because there's only one source of satisfaction in this world. The rock who is Christ Jesus. 
And you may have been ignoring him. But I tell you, he's not been ignoring you. You know, <clears throat> there was this woman, a Samaritan. And in case you, I wouldn't uh, uh, expect you to know this, but you may know that the Samaritans and the Jews, they were related and yet they hated each other. The Jews considered the Samaritans half-breeds. And it was interesting because the Samaritans lived kind of right in the middle of the land of, the, of Palestine. So the Jews had the, the southern part and the northern part was kind of their areas. And then the Samaritans were right in the middle. So if they traveled from one part of Israel to the other, they had to go around Samaria. Because they hated the Samaritans so much they wouldn't even breathe the air if the wind was blowing from that direction. That's how bad it was. But Jesus, on his way from the southern part of Israel to the northern part of Israel, he told his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. Now, that was really interesting because people, like I said, always traveled around Samaria. The Jews did. They traveled around Samaria. It took them way out of their way. But Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. And he had what they didn't know at the time, an appointment, a God, a divine appointment with a woman who came to the water or to the well in Samaria. In, um, uh, in Samaria to draw water, her daily uh, chore of drawing water. She comes in the heat of the day uh, when no one else would come because it's so hot. And she comes alone. And it's, so it's clear by those things that she is not, um, you know, she's got a reputation. She's got a reputation. So not only is she a Samaritan, she's kind of a tainted woman. But Jesus meets her. And sends his disciples on to the city to uh, buy some, some food. And he, Jesus and this Samaritan woman have a conversation. This was a woman who was thirsty. And she didn't really know what for. She was there to draw water. But Jesus said, you know, you, you come out here every day. You draw this water, you thirst again, right? Remember, this is a woman, well, you may not remember, but this is a woman who has had five husbands, was on her sixth man, and she wasn't married to him. This is a person who's thirsty for something. And Jesus says to her, you know, you keep coming out here every day to draw water, and it's not doing the job. If you knew who I was, he says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water, and then you'd never thirst again. Turn to John chapter 7. Gospel of John. So the New Testament begins with Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, and then John. John chapter 7. Verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, and what it's talking about here is the Feast of Tabernacles, a great, great period, a week-long period of celebration at the end of the harvest season for the Jewish people. They camp out uh, and just have a, a grand time. And they're at the end of that. And Jesus, it says, stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, the, the old King James says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Living water, now the word living that's used there um, doesn't mean that you know, somehow the water is alive and has a personality and all that. It's, it, it just means that it's, it's not um, uh, stagnant. It's, it's uh, fresh. It's vital. And Jesus said that when you are thirsty, come to me because I can give you this living water and it will satisfy that thing that's down in the depths of your soul, your innermost being. And then it says... And then there will be a bursting forth of a flow of life-giving, satisfying, refreshing living water to others. You, because of what has happened inside of you, become a source of life-giving water to other people. Living water. There's no other else, nothing else that will satisfy Jesus alone, that rock. Jesus alone is the one who can meet that thing you're thirsty for. So I've asked you my three questions. What are you thirsty for? What are you drinking? And how's that working for you? I'm going to sneak one more question in. What does this have to do with Easter? Well, it has everything to do with Easter because that empty tomb stands forever as silent witness that God has struck the rock and out from it has flowed a river of living water. Today, as we celebrate the fact that that tomb is empty, we also get to celebrate the fact that flowing from that is the living water that satisfies the deepest longings of all of our souls. And that's good.